So we learn through music, am I correct? <clears throat> yes. Uh, how many of you learned your ABCs through the ABC song? Okay, you could sing that, right? Well, there's a guy named Tim Hawkins. He came out with a song years ago. It's a great song. It's, uh, it's written to protect men. In fact, if there's a, anybody in here either a newlywed or about to get married, anybody, anybody? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we have one guy like this. I mean... <laughs> Did you buy the rock or not, dude, right? I mean, are you into it? So, so anyway, if you're brand new to this whole marriage thing, um, this song is written to, to save your marriage. Now, I didn't come up with this. So if this offends you, it's on YouTube. You can go leave a comment. It's, it, this will save your marriage. It's just some marriage advice. Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this. Here we go. Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you're wearing reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you be quiet? Cause I'm trying to watch the game. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday. I didn't ask because I knew it'd be okay. Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show. I taped it over our old wedding video. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. Now this is my favorite verse right here. Your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes. The diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake. Your eyes look puffy, dear. Are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. What do y'all think? Keeper? Keeper, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> Men and women are different. It's not a scientific statement. It's not a political statement. It's just a true statement. Men and women are different, especially when it comes to words, like I just sang about. Like with a man, two men can cuss each other out. Five minutes later, go get a cheeseburger. Two women cuss each other out and won't talk in heaven. <laughs> we talked about it last week, though, about spiritual warfare and the concept of relationships. And, and the enemy attacks us, and, and some people say he attacks us the same. And to some extent, that is true, but he approaches, I think he approaches men and women differently. He's going to come after women different than, than men. Now, next week, next week, we're going to talk about men. And men, I want to encourage you to be here next week because it's not going to be your typical man sermon. Typical man sermons are this. You suck, be a better man, go home, be a better man. That's not next week, okay? It's, it's, it's something 
Next week is a sentence. I've got a sentence that we all struggle with, and we're going to talk about it next week. But today, today we're going to focus on the ladies. And the ladies are like, wow, wow, wow. Ladies first. That's what my mama taught me. Ladies first. All right? Now, ladies, um, last week we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and Eve was tempted first. Adam was there. Eve takes the bite of the fruit, and then everything goes to pieces. Well, this week, we're going to look at a New Testament story that correlates, surprisingly, with the Genesis 3 account of Adam and Eve. And if you've been in church for a while, if you've ever been in church, you've more than likely heard this story, but I don't think you've ever heard it in this context. It's in John chapter 4, and the woman, we don't even know her name. We just call her the woman at the well. That's her name. And we should probably, she's got a name, we'll figure it out when we get to heaven, but right now, that's her name, the woman at the well. So we're going to start into this by reading out of the book of John. There's four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John's account, I love John's account, John was actually there, so this is John telling it from his point of view. John says in John chapter 4, verse 4, he, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, let me pause real quick, and if you've been around Second Chance before, you've heard me explain this, but if not, um, let, let me explain it. There were, Jesus was going from the Jerusalem, Judea area up to Galilee. Now, there were actually three routes that he could have taken, three routes. He, he could have gone the common route, he could have gone the alleyway route, or he could have gone through Samaria. Now, Orthodox Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Because the Samaritans were pagans, they were godless, they were looked down upon. I mean, you couldn't get any worse in this context than being a Samaritan. So I find it funny that John said Jesus had to go through Samaria because geographically, that's not true. But spiritually, it is. You see, while good religious Orthodox Jews would not have gone through Samaria, they would have avoided it. Jesus went through there, which is an awesome reminder that Jesus intentionally runs to the things that religion runs from. So if you're in this room and you feel like religion has pushed you out, it's probably so Jesus can pull you in because he has a habit of approaching people that everybody else thinks is unapproachable and unusable and taking their lives and using it for something incredible. Y'all need to listen quicker because we just got through one verse. All right, here we go. Verse 5. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Y'all know where that is, right? Near the field. John thinks we all know where that is. and That's true. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, watch this, tired from the long walk. Let me pause real quick. Jesus was fully God and fully man. We forget that sometimes. We got the fully God part. But he got, he got tired. You know why he got tired? Because he walked a long way. Most people think just Jesus floated. Jesus like floating everywhere. He's just kind of floating. No, no, no. Jesus walked, and because he's fully man, he was tired, and he sat wearily. Why did he sit wearily? Yeah, he's tired. It's not a trick question, all right? Beside the well, about... On three, let's all say this together. One, two, three. Noon time. Noon time. Noon time in the Middle East. Do you think it's hot? Yes or no? You're right. It's hot. It's hot. 
It's hot in South Carolina at noontime in the summer, but like in the middle, it's, it's hot. Soon, a Samaritan woman. Now, Samaritans were looked down upon. But then women in this time period were looked down upon. So, so you can't get any lower on the totem pole than a Samaritan woman. This is like people, people would have looked down on this lady. And she's coming at noontime, which that's kind of weird. We'll talk about that in a second came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Why do you want a drink? He's tired, thirsty, been walking all day. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food, which when you read that and you know the Bible, you're like, why didn't he just like get out a chicken nugget and multiply it and had like a nugget tray and he could have fed everybody, but he had to get rid of them so he could do some work with his lady. In verse 9, it says, the woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. Which I'm sure Jesus was like, thank you so much. I had no idea. It's like, okay, here's a newsflash. I'm 6'6". I'm tall. I'm tall. I am tall. I swear to God, I said this in the last service. In the first time area, somebody came back after, this, after the last service and went, wow, you're tall. I'm like, I just freaking said that. I didn't say that out loud. I thought it in my mind. But I want to do, do a message one day called I Thought It in My Mind. Um, yeah, it just cleared the place out. But you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Like, like he didn't know. Like Jesus didn't know. Because sometimes we got to tell Jesus stuff because he, he don't know, right? You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? She was puzzled. She, would pu she was puzzled why this Jewish man... And, and some scholars believe that the way Jesus would have dressed, he would have dressed in an orthodox, she knew that he was religious. Why was this religious Jew speaking to her? And all of this we see in this story, as we're going to see in this part and then throughout the message, all of this ties in to about three ways, three major ways that the enemy is going to come after a woman. Are you ready for this? Here's number one. Ready? Are you ready? Good. Number one is uncertainty. Uncertainty. Ladies, I have a question for you. It's not super spiritual, <laughs> which if you've been around long enough, you know I don't ask super spiritual questions. I just got, this is a basic question. It's a yes or no question. There's no shame in this question. Husbands, if your wife lies on this question, I want you to call her out. You have my permission to point, to point straight, straight at her. She does not raise her hand. Ladies, how many of you have ever left your house five to ten minutes down the road? You look at your husband or you think to yourself, did I leave the curling iron on? How many? How many? Okay. How many? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Husbands, isn't that fascinating that they can't remember if they left the curling iron on, but they know what you did November 6, 2015 that hurt? I mean, just, just, can, just a reason. Yeah, I thought some men going, hey, 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 man. Give the invitation. We got all we need. <laughs> the enemy's going to attack, and he's going to attack, ladies. One of, the major, one of the main ways he's going to attack you is through uncertainty to get you to doubt who Jesus is, who you are, what God has said. This is the way he came after Eve. Eve is in the garden. We talked about this last week. And, and Satan came at her, and the first thing he said to her and this is a shortened version, but the first thing he said to her was, did 
God really say? I mean, eat. Let's, let's be honest. Do you know that it was God that said that? And ladies, this is one of the major ways he's going to attack your mind. Now, let me pause. All of this obviously can transfer over to men. I'm just saying this is one of the major ways. Is, is did, did God really say? Did God, did God really say if you're single, you, you, you shouldn't compromise? Did he really say that? Did, did God really say forgive? I mean, look what happened to you. And if he can get us to question the word of God, he gets us living in that space of uncertainty. And then if we land on, well, yeah, I know, I know what God said. I know what God's word said. I'm confident on what God's word said. I'm going to stand on what God's word said. Then the enemy will go, well, okay, okay, that's fine. Then, then, then I'm kind of wondering, did God really say that to you? I mean, we know what he said, but he say that to you like the whole forgiveness. Okay, I know that God said to forgive, but after what that person did to you, do you really need? And if you land, if you land there and go, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I know God really spoke to me. Then the third level is, why would God speak to you? I mean, why would God speak to you? We're, we're going to see this in this story about the woman of the well. She had a reputation. What kind of reputation did you have, Pastor Pete? She was loose. Can y'all handle that? Can, can, can we talk real? Can we talk? Listen, listen. If you're not used to real, this ain't your church. I ain't going to play around with stuff. I'm going to tell y'all like it is. That was her reputation. I mean, I, I was feeling the vibe there, but. You would be surprised. You would be surprised. You would be surprised at the number of people that God wants to speak to, but you've tuned them out. And you haven't tuned them out because you're an evil person. You've tuned them out because you're convinced he wouldn't want to speak with you. And you wouldn't want to speak with you. The, the woman at the well, she's going to be surprised that Jesus is speaking to her. And she's going to be surprised for two reasons. Number one, it's because of her past. There are women in this room. There are women watching online right now that are haunted by your past, haunted by the things that you did. Not that people said you, you, you did. You did. You did them, and you know. You're haunted by your past or you're haunted by your present, like the way you're living. And, and the question is, well, if there is a God or Jesus, all this, like if all this stuff is true and real, why would he want anything to do with me? And the reason that you would think that is because the enemy has taught you to believe in religion over relationship. This woman, as we're about to, there's, on the surface, there's like nothing good going on in her life. And yet Jesus still chose to pursue her just like he chooses to pursue you. Not because, not because of how awesome we are, but because of how awesome he is. Which leads to number two, comparison. Men, 
Have you ever been with your wife or your girlfriend or your friend, girl, <laughs> and you're just, you're having a great time? And she points to another woman and goes, oh, my God, she is so beautiful. Now, if you're a smart man, you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you don't say a word. But then she'll set you up. Because she'll look at now, how, how, don't you think she's beautiful? Men, this is, the, I think God, I think it's okay to lie. I think it's okay to lie. In this, like, what, like, what do you do? What, what do you do? Because men, am I right? You can't win. You can't win if you go, no, you're lying. Baby, I only have eyes for you. Oh, that you are full of, you are as full of it as a constipated elephant. You tell me the truth right now. And if you go, yeah, she's hot. Oh, you, oh so you want her number? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say. But women, women do this. Women compare. Am I right? Women compare. Like, you, you will never, ever, ever see a man walk up to another man and go, your hair, oh, I got to touch it. Oh, oh, your, your hair. You'll never see another man do that. Women, you do it all the time. Look at, look at, her, look at her hair. Look at her. It's fake. <laughs> Women, you walk up to any woman in the lobby after this service and go, oh, my God, I love your sweater. They'll go, Target, $14.99. Was I? I? Men don't do that. Hey, man, I love your shirt. Thanks. That's all we got. I love, I love your sweater. Thank you. Cracker Barrel, $50. Okay, dear God. Okay. But women compare. Women, you compare. Your hair to her hair. Your, your lips to her lips. Your legs to her legs. Oh, oh, yeah, we're going to go there. Your boobs to her boobs. You compare. You compare. And, and here's the dangerous thing about comparison. You'll always find somebody better than you. Always. But it's a major trap. This is how Satan got Eve. This is how he said, Eve, 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 Eve. You will be like God. She was already like God because she was created in the image of God. But Eve, this is the one thing that you don't have and caused her to lose sight of how blessed she was and buy in to his lie. Comparison. This, the woman at the well, she compared herself to other women. And because she compared herself to other women, she felt inferior. How do you know that? I'll prove it to you. Women during this time period, 2,000 years ago, women would go and get the water from the well, but they would go early in the morning. And the reason they would go early in the morning is because it was hot. This woman came at noontime. You know why she came at noontime? Because she compared herself to the other woman. She said, I'm not even worthy enough to go with the other women to get water. I'll go at a time where it hurts and it's a little bit more inconvenient so I don't have to be around other people that I compare myself to. You would be shocked at the number of people that stop going to church. Because you, you see other people. 
and you feel like you just don't measure up. In fact, the number one lie that the enemy will hit the mind of a woman with is this. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. That lie right there will cause, if, if, we, if we reflect on this, it'll cause us to pursue things that a sane person would never pursue. Like, I'm, I'm not pretty enough. And so women do all sorts of things to feel pretty. Now, I, I don't think necessarily any of Like, I had somebody say, I, I had people pull me aside. Literally, I Pastor P, should a Christian woman wear makeup? I don't know. Depends on her face. <laughs> if you need it, dab it on. Like, I just praise the Lord, right? I've had people ask me about plastic surgery. Should, should I get plastic surgery? I don't know. Can you afford it? <laughs> you don't want to make payments on something and can't make the payment. How do they repossess? <laughs> Philip, come up here and take over. I, I, I just, I'm... My dad was back. Like, what? What? That did not happen in the last service. Some of you are looking at me like you're too godly for that. I just, mm, is it hot in here? Getting hot in here. That's not a, oh, sorry. That's not a good song either. Nothing, all I was trying to say, we'll see what, what happened was, I was trying to say, nothing wrong with plastic surgery. All right? Just, but, but if, if you think it's going to fix something and, it don't, and you still don't feel pretty enough because somebody is always going to be prettier than you, right? This is another one. I'm not, I'm not godly enough. And this is the reason some ladies quit going to church. Is, is you let a super spiritual woman intimidate you. If you ever run into a woman that tells you how much she prays, reads, and journals... Okay, Cause, I mean, just, yeah, like the super, like, just, just be very careful. Because you tell her what you're going through, I promise you 10 people going to know it by the end of the day. There's some women in this room, and the reason you won't stay consistent in church is because you're like, man, I, I'm just not godly enough. I'm just not godly enough. That's what the Samaritan woman thought. Or, 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 or you think, I'm not good enough, especially when it comes to kids. Like some of you women in here, let's just be honest. You got crazy kids. Kids are crazy. You lie to your kids every Sunday. You tell them it's pajama Sunday and they can wear their pajamas at church because it's the only way you can get them here on time, right? Your kids walk in, you bring them in, they look homeless and you're just glad to be here. And then you see the perfect family walk in. The kids are single file, walking in, eyes straight, like, what are they doing? Benadryl. That's what they're doing. They got their kids on Benadryl. Hobbed up. Yeah, y'all are laughing because you've done it. You know what I'm talking about. Little Benadryl in the bottle. <laughs> I 
You'd be surprised at the number of women that, that think lowly of themselves because their kids are crazy, and then, then they get older and they go crazy, and then the kids do some things that you wish they wouldn't have done, and you blame yourself because you're a bad parent, because if you were a good parent, your kids wouldn't have done bad things, so it's all your fault. Huh. Let me ask you a question, ladies, just a question, just a question to help. Was God a good parent, yes or no? Did his kids go crazy? Is he still a good parent? Yeah. Don't beat yourself up too much. Don't beat yourself up too much, especially single moms. Doing the best you can. The, the third thing, the third way he'll come after us is, is condemnation. Condemnation. Just, just putting something on a loop over and over and over again and making you feel horrible about it. Men, we got to watch our words with women. Because what you, say to one, what you say to a man will weigh a pound. What you say to a woman will weigh 500 pounds. Like Shannon, my wife, she came in the other day. She'd been shopping. She, now, she told me she's going to go get a few things. <laughs> now, that means something different to a man than it does a woman. A few things can mean a truckload to a woman. Am I right, ladies? A few things. So she came back in. She had been to TJ Maxx, Kohl's, somewhere else, back, just bags. And I said, I thought you were going to go get a few things. And she said, Perry, I was. <laughs> but I walked in, and all of this stuff was on. You did it, too. You did it, too. remember exactly what I said, but it was something about us living in the poorhouse or having to kick the dogs out or something like that. Whatever I said, it just wasn't good, but I saw her shoulders slump, and I was like, I'll make dinner tonight. I'll mop the floor. Like, I, I'll do, like, but, but, but women, sometimes with our words, man, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, they can wound, and, and we don't even intend them to. This, this woman at the well she felt condemnation. She felt condemnation, as we're about to see in just a little while, because of the lifestyle she was living in, because of her past and what she was doing. And there are ladies in this room that feel guilty about sins that you committed 20 years ago. And see, tell you, I'll tell you the truth about some ladies. You're not going to agree with me at first, but please hear me out. You say, Perry, Pastor Pete, the devil has really been on me lately. He hasn't. He hasn't messed with you in years. He put a tape in your mind and just hit play where it loops over and over and over again. And the self-condemnation that he's got you believing about you is enough to keep you beneath God's will for your life. You've heard me say it before. If you spoke to other people the way you speak to you, you would have no friends. And it was all started because the enemy got you to believe a lie that because you did that, that you could never be anything significant for Jesus. So 
they're having this conversation, Jesus and the woman at the well, this woman at the well. So Jesus breaks, just absolutely turns the conversation upside down. Because she says this to him. She says, now the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. Do you think Jesus cracked a smile? Because this happens all the time. We tell Jesus about Jesus. I know the Messiah is coming. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who was called Christ. And Jesus is like, have you seen my jersey? It's on my back. It's right there. It says Christ. Number one, that's me, right? When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now, all throughout the Gospel of John, and, and we see in other accounts, Jesus is trying not to reveal who he is in certain situations, but watch what he does to an unnamed, immoral woman. Watch this. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And this changed everything. It changed everything. In fact, it took uncertainty to clarity. Changed uncertainty into clarity. I don't know about you, but I need clarity sometimes. For example, if you ask a man, how was your day? You can figure it out in less than 30 seconds. Men talk in incomplete sentences. How was your day? Good. Somebody you know? Nope. Did you accomplish anything? Mm. Like men understand that. Women, not so much. Men speak about 5,000 words a day. Women speak somewhere between 10 and 12 with gust up to 20 to 25. <laughs> men, let me ask you this question, just a simple question. Has your wife or your significant other ever been explaining something to you? They're just explaining. They're talking. They're talking. They're talking. You stop them, and you go, hey, 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 hey. I've had to learn, to, I've had to learn to do this. Hey, hey, am I, am I just listening, or do you want me to solve the problem? She don't want you to solve the problem. She just wants you to listen. Dear God, right? <laughs> I just need clarity. I just need clarity. Here's what I love about the fact of this woman who went to the well to avoid other people, to avoid relationships, to avoid feeling less than, she goes to the well and she has an appointment with Jesus. And when she meets Jesus, Jesus does not tell her, let me explain to you who you are. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are special. God has a plan for your life. All of that stuff would have been good and all that stuff would have been true, but none of that stuff matters until we recognize who Jesus is because when we recognize who he is, that's when we can put our priorities in life in place. And so one of the best things that can happen to us if we're dealing with uncertainty is not necessarily for Jesus to reveal who we are, but to reveal who he is because when we see who Jesus is, then we know where to go for healing. Then we know where to go for acceptance. Then we know where to go when we feel like our life is in the pit and we need somebody to pull us out. We can't pull ourselves out. There's no amount of plastic surgery. There's no amount of self-help. There's no amount of Oprah that can get us out of the pit. We need Jesus and that's where Jesus reveals who he is to us. And I'm thankful that Jesus reveals who he is because once we understand who he is, then we can understand who he is in us. That makes a difference. 
Number two, he turned comparison into completion. Comparison into completion. Now, this, this part is going to be, it's a little Bible nerd part, but, but this, I love, I love teaching on this. This, this, when I first discovered this, it blew my mind, blew my mind. The ladies, Jesus wants you to feel complete so you don't get caught up in the, because you can't win the comparison game. You can't win. So, so Jesus is having a conversation with this lady. Now, let me pause. John who wrote the book of John, writes in code. And the number seven is significant to John. There's seven major miracles in the gospel of John. There's seven I am statements of Christ. As he's writing the book of Revelation, there's seven churches that he writes to. There's seven bowls of, ju- bowls of God's wrath. There's some, seven trumpets at the end. I mean, there's seven. Seven is the number of days he creates. Seven represents the number of completion in the scriptures. Very important. What, what number are we talking about? Number seven, right? Now watch this. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. Now she's, this woman's got a little bit of sass in her. A little bit of sass. Probably from southern Samaria. I don't have a husband. In the original Greek, it said, I ain't got a husband. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I made that up. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Can you see her saying that? Maybe hand on the hip. Head bob. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. Relational issues. Can you imagine? I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five husbands. I imagine she went. And then he followed it up with, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You shacking up, girl. That's what my grandma would say, because I had an aunt, and she would shack up. She'd go, oh, Ruth is shacking up again. That's all right. She's, she's, what is she watching? She's, she's dead. She, she's not watching. You certainly spoke the truth. So get this for just a second. How many husbands had she had? How many? Five. She had had five husbands. Okay? So obviously had missed all the relationship messages at the church. And then she was living with a guy. So that's six. So this is, now this is simple. I know most of us went to public school, but we can all get this, okay? Five plus one is what? Now, six, I did some study on the number six this week, and six is the number of incompletion. A couple, some scholars say the six is the devil's number. I'm like, hold on, hold on. The devil cannot claim numbers, all right? He, and and I, I know the whole mark of the beast and the six, 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 but that's different than six. And, but some, six represents incompletion. So Jesus said, you've had five, five men in your life, and then you're shacking up with a guy, and that's six people. But then Jesus comes in, and when Jesus gets involved, he's seven, and seven is the number of Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to complete you. I don't care what that chick said to Jerry Maguire. Say, oh, you complete me. No, you don't. He's Tom Cruise. He's got to go fighting Top Gun. He ain't completing anybody. He's 5'2". Come on, woman. I mean, good God. Jesus Christ died 
on a cross and, and gave his life, yes, to save us, but also, ladies, so you would not have to sit around and compare yourself to everybody else so that you would know that in Christ you are enough. And turn condemnation into celebration. You know, being a Clemson fan is rough this year. It's rough. Yeah, amen. I got an amen on that one. I'd say amen. I mean, it, it is. It's, it's, I mean, now we still have a winning record. But, I, man, I just, I got nostalgic the other day. I went back and started looking at some of the, some of the old football games. The first year we won, well, not like the eight, because some of y'all won around. Well, look around. Some, some of y'all were around. Most of, so, okay, so anyway, the one they won in 2016 and 17 that, that year, I went back and looked at that schedule. And uh, I'd forgotten that Clemson, the year they beat Alabama 35-31, I told about that a few weeks ago, that same year, they lost a game. They lost a game to Pittsburgh. 43 to 42. Was it 43 to 42? 40, yeah. 43 42. I remember watching that game and being like depressed, going, it's over, it's over, our season's over. I, and if you're a Clemson fan, there's not one single Clemson fan in this room that was watching that game and went, we're still going to win it all, okay? Because if you did, you were high, all right? I'm just telling you that there was no way in the world I anticipated that something good could have, but you know what? It, it was one of the best things that ever happened to the team. Turned them around, they went ahead. And now, if you would have told me in that moment, Pastor P, don't worry. We're going to beat Alabama in the national championship. I'd have, just, I'd have told you, listen, I just got out of rehab. You need to go. All right? Just listen. Oh, by the way, let me pause and say this. I was joking about that the other week, and somebody came up to me and told me, you can't joke about that. It's my story, Karen. I can talk about it if I want to talk about it. Some. Sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying, all right? But condemnation, that loss turned into celebration. When, when the celebration was taking place, nobody was on the field crying going, Pittsburgh beat us. No, they were like, screw Pittsburgh. We won it all. Condemnation, it's real. We can't let it get in our minds. I love to go to lunch sometimes with just me. Just me and a book and a, and, a, and a journal, like a real journal. Not my phone journal, but a real journal. And um, sit down and put my hat on and duck my head. You trying not to be seen? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because people come up and they'll go, hey, 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 I hate to interrupt. And I always want to go, no, you don't. Because <laughs> you're doing it right now. You, if you hate it, stop it. Knock it off. But I don't say that, okay? But I think it. So, so I remember I went to a restaurant, had my book, had my, had my journal, and I sat down at this little table, and it was like behind a little wall, so it was kind of hidden. I had my hat pulled down, and I'm sitting there reading this book, and I heard my name. I looked up slowly. You got to look up slowly. There's a way to do this. I looked at my side, and there's a table of ladies sitting, six ladies, and they're sitting to my left. One of them said my name, and I, I looked up and smiled because I thought they recognized me. They didn't see me. They were talking about me. For the next hour, I listened to conversation about me. Stuff I, if I had done half the stuff that they said, I should, I, like, I'm, I'm just sitting there. At one point, I'm shaking. 
I'm angry and I'm sad. I'm angry. God spoke to my heart. God heard him so clearly. God spoke to my heart. He said, Perry, pay for their lunch. I didn't do it. I didn't. I, I, I swear, I didn't. I didn't. I was like, no, nah, no. Nah, I ain't do it. No, no, no. I'll go to hell before I pay for their lunch. I'll drive to Hell Express all the way in. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh-uh. I hope they choke, all of them. I hope all y'all choke in Jesus' name. Complete like, wouldn't that have been a great preacher story? I paid for their lunch and I led them to Christ. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I got, like, when they got up to leave, I waited till they were all standing, and I looked up. I said, how are you ladies doing? And they all went, <laughs> like, if I'd have had on a toupee, I'd have sucked it right off my head. <laughs> but I still remember what they said. It, that condemnation, it, 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 it started on that loop, and it started playing over and over and over. And you know what happens when you can't get that condemnation? When you can't take a captive, you look for an escape, don't you? Now, fortunately, I was able to just get my mind right. It took me a couple hours, but I got my, got my mind right. And today, I'm able to talk about it and laugh. In that moment, when I'm sitting there listening to me, or listening to stories about me, I didn't feel like celebration. But today, today, if I was in that restaurant, I could look at those ladies and go James Brown on them. Ha! <laughs> like I, could, I could just do that. Condemnation into celebration. That's what Jesus can do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Jesus can take that mess and turn it into a miracle. You know how I know? What had this woman been doing in town? Just don't answer out loud. Just think about it. Did she have a reputation? Yes or no? Did she get around? Yes or no? Okay, with that in mind, this is what she does. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar, this is a whole other message for a whole other time, beside the well, and ran back to the village, the village of, of shame for her, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can you imagine the people in the village going, we know everything you've ever did. Many of us have done that with you. Like, that. Why, why are you talking about this? Like, well, that's weird. Why would you talk about everything? By the way, did she get the testimony right or wrong? She got it wrong. Did Jesus tell her everything she ever did? No. She's just so excited about Jesus, she just goes and talks about him. Because, see, a man who told me everything I ever did, condemnation, into celebration. Before Jesus, had she said that sentence, she would have said it in shame. After meeting Jesus, she was able to say the sentence out of celebration because of who he was and what he had done in her life. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming, streaming. Can you imagine people just streaming from the village to see him? And what wound up happening it's just about this entire village gave their lives to Christ. Why? 
because of the testimony of an unnamed woman who felt like she wasn't enough, that had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life, that changed a village, and 2,000 years later is still changing people today. And if you'll let him, if you'll let him, he'll take uncertainty and turn it into clarity. He'll take comparison and turn it into completion. He'll take condemnation and turn it into celebration. Before I give the invitation, I've asked the band to sing a song literally titled Woman at the Well. And it's just a reminder of how her story today connect her story yet 2,000 years ago connects with our story today and how we can have an amazing future just surrendering our lives to Christ. So Father, I pray over these next few moments as we sit and we reflect we think about who you are and what you've done in our lives Jesus that you would speak to us so clearly and God that we would follow you so closely because of your amazing grace meet us in this moment and we ask this in Jesus name amen can we stand for closing prayer Jesus I just want to pray right now for every person in this room, but specifically the ladies in this room and watching online, that Jesus, if they're honest, they just can't love themselves because of a past, because of the present, because of comparison, because of condemnation, because of uncertainty. Father, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, to speak so clearly to every single heart and say, God, I just pray that they would hear you say, you're enough. Just as you are, I died for you. And you are, even when you don't feel like you're enough, you're enough heads bowed and eyes closed for every woman in this room that's struggling with whether or not you're enough I would simply invite you to look at a blood-stained cross and the blood that Jesus gave for your life Jesus didn't die for junk he died for you you're enough Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your life. Maybe because of shame, maybe because of uncertainty. Today you realize, man or woman, you need Jesus to come in your life. You need Jesus. If that's you and you're in this room or watching online, I want you to pray right now and just ask Jesus into your life. Just say, Jesus Christ. And you just say it in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life. Jesus, I give everything to you. Come in and take over. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, I am yours. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, all over this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to come into your life, would you do me a favor and shoot your hand up in the air, straight up in the air, really high? Because I want, amen, I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray with you. If you're online, you can do it too. I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for lifted hands for people that crossed over from death 
to life. Father, I wanna thank you that you are the author of life. Father, I wanna pray over everyone in this room. God, the, your word says no weapon formed against us will prosper. So I pray against the weapon of condemnation. I pray against the weapon of comparison. I pray against the weapon of uncertainty. I pray that Jesus, as we walk out of this place, we would walk out of this place knowing that you live in us and you living in us gives us the power and the freedom and the ability to overcome anything. You delivered us from our past. You will deliver us from our present. You will give us an amazing future because you are a good God that wants good things for his children. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Are you glad you came today? Hey, y'all show up next week when we'll be talking to the men. Y'all have a great Sunday. God bless.